Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy, with us on this edition. And a number of stories that uh, are going to dictate where things are. And we'll lay out something of the battle lines for the war of the worldview when it comes to Christian persecution, when it comes to the freedom of speech and other aspects of life in the United States. I would say things are on a very thin edge at this point, Bill. The Eighth Circuit U.S. Federal Appeals Court ruled unanimously last Friday against the Biden administration rule that Christian doctors and hospitals have to perform gender transition surgeries. Uh, And this, of course, after Bostock. And what they said was Title VII has threatened to penalize the Catholic plaintiffs for adhering to their beliefs Now, this is a Republican-dominated circuit court, and the courts are playing the divide on these matters. The courts are weighted right now by 400 Democrat-appointed judges. These are the federal courts, okay? Weighted by 400 Democrat-appointed judges to 380 Republican-president-appointed judges. Now, get this. By the end of the Biden administration, okay? because Biden still has two years to go, the ratio will be closer to 500 Democrat-appointed to 380 Democrat-appointed justices. So we're moving back towards a 500-380. We sit on a very thin edge right now, Bill. Yeah. The best circuits for Republican appointees, 8th Circuit, 10 to 1. So this thing came to the 10th Circuit, but wait till the 9th Circuit gets a hold of the same thing. The 10th Circuit, or the 8th Circuit, is a 10 to 1 Republican. 3rd Circuit is 7 to 6, still Republican. 5th Circuit, 12 to 4. 6th Circuit is 10 to 7 Republican. 7th Circuit is 7 to 3 Republican. 11th Circuit is 11 to 4 Republican appointed. But you then you go to the best circuit courts for Democrats, and guess what? 1st Circuit is 6-0 Democrat favored. 2nd Circuit is 7 Democrats to 6 Republicans. Ninth Circuit is 16 Democrats to 13 Republicans. Tenth Circuit is six to five. DC is six to four. Federal Circuit is eight to four. Circuit courts are about six to six right now. It's dead heat, but wait till Biden's done. Biden is is appointing more judges than any president, I think, since uh since the nineteen seventies. So he's he's on track to to push up towards five hundred Democrat appointed judges down to three eighty Republican appointed judges. And at this point, Gorsuch and Roberts are the swing votes. And they went for Bostock, which means they're going to persecute Christians. It's doubtful they will defend property rights. When push comes to shove, I say property rights. Some take it as religious liberties, forcing churches and private organizations to fund insurance that covers abortion, forcing Catholic hospitals to perform gender surgeries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I take that as private property issues. These are private businesses. They should have the right to do what they want with their capital. And uh, But you know, governments are saying, uh-uh, we're going to dictate what happens with your your capital. Uh, the next two oldest U.S. Supreme Court justices, remember, are Clarence Thomas at 74 years of age, Samuel Alito at 72 years of age. Both are the most conservative judges in the court, and they are the last ditch for conservatism on the court in America. So they're the oldest. Keep that in mind. And remember, the swing votes are Gorsuch and Roberts. Not sure where they're going to go on the Colorado case for uh, the website design. Yep. So Lori Smith, 
and her proactive uh, lawsuit against the state of Colorado. The state of Colorado's arguments in that case before the Supreme Court were very muddied. Um, Gorsuch referred to Jack Phillips. He was and, referring to Bill Jack, well, but I think yeah. he mistook your name for Jack Phillips. Somehow, he, somehow my name came up because I, I had there was a, an action that I did that was a friend of the court brief for Jack Phillips. But he seemed to be leaning towards liberty and and recognizing that Lori Smith has a valid concern here. So I think I think there's a very good chance that Lori Smith will prevail. Because the the arguments by the by the the state of Colorado were very very weak and very confusing, so that's a possibility. But here's the thing: what you just pointed out is that we it's a reminder that we don't put our faith in judges; we put our faith in God. Mm-hmm. And unless we change the thinking of Christians, I'm not talking about non Christians, unless we start changing the mind of Christians. We're to be transformed, not by the renewing of our hearts, not by the renewing of our strength, not by the renewing of our soul, but by the renewing, not the removing, but the renewing of our minds. We are to think God's thoughts after Him. And unless we start doing that, I don't care how many judges you put on the bench. If they don't think from a biblical worldview, then it's it's useless. So I want to apply biblical ethics to these issues, and I'm going to apply it to the Southwest Airlines stewardess case in just a second. I think some of our listeners are going to be shocked by what I'm going to say next on Generation Stay With Me. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son. Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we're back on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. And friends, I, we come, come back to the principle of the issue over and over again. Jack Phillips was taken to task because he would not make a cake or decorate a cake as a bakery for a homosexual wedding. And my point is he has a conscience and he obviously should not violate his conscience on a moral issue that he considers to be an immoral thing for him to do. But he also has a right to do what he wishes with his own property, his capital, his time, his effort. You would think he so. should not be forced to do this job if he doesn't want to do this job. If the atheist who provides seating and porta potties for concerts is approached by a Christian rock band and and they ask him to provide those services for their upcoming concert, and he says, "Oh, I don't think so," should he be forced? 
No, no. He has a right of conscience. Take take the weekend off. He has a right of conscience. He can do that if he wants to, yeah. Well, and this is where this issue on the uh, stewardess comes into play. A federal judge cut a flight attendant's $5.1 million jury award to $800,000 for the Southwest Airlines uh, stewardess. Uh, her union conspired to fire her for expressing opposition to abortion, it says. I'm not not sure. This is a little bit confusing to me. Carter charged that she was fired after sending strongly worded messages to the president of the flight attendants union to complain that the official had attended the Women's March in Washington, D.C. the day after President Donald Trump was inaugurated in January of 2017. She called the union leader despicable. So I'm a little confused as to whether it was just that she was pro-life or that she opposed this this march or the the uh, encouragement to attend the march on the part of the union um now the president of local 556 did not respond to any of her messages but southwest summoned carter to a meeting later and fired her now my position is if it's a private company they should be able to hire and fire anybody as they see fit for any reason whatsoever however as a private company keep in mind that they are taking a position on this issue, a, a political position on this issue, and they could lose lots of business from every Republican, every pro-lifer in the country uh, might just distance themselves from Southwest if they take a yeah. position like this. I'm going to push back on you, Kevin, uh-huh. because what we have is in the First Amendment, we have the guarantee of free speech, free press, free assembly. And she has exercised her constitutionally guaranteed right of free speech and so she can't be punished for expressing her opinions by the civil government of course uh, yes and and you're right it is a private business Mm -hmm. but she didn't even express it to the business she expressed it to the union and then the union in collusion with the business forced her out of her job now that is that's tyrannical that that oh, is sure it is yeah that, and that's it's unethical and it's unethical it's unethical so sure, i would side sure. with the court in that situation yeah, because yeah. her and this is the point of the of the united states experiment the individual matters supremely mm-hmm. the liberty of the individual not the group mm-hmm. and so that's what she was addressing here she was addressing the group is going pro abort I, as an individual, stand against it. I can speak against it. That's a biblical worldview, Kevin, because Christ didn't come to die for the group. He came to die for Kevin. He came to die for Bill. He came to die for individuals. The individual matters supremely over the group. It's an evolutionary view that says it's the group that matters even if we have to sacrifice a few individuals. So I'm going to side with the judge and, uh, and the, the court in this situation. I don't, think, I don't think she has that she should have been fired for expressing her views because that's a free speech issue. And she as the individual can stand and she can point to the president of the United States and say, sir, you are wrong. Sir, you are immoral without fear of retribution. Well, I think there's a distinction between uh, doing something immoral and doing something that is against the law and where the government steps in. I tend to be a little more libertarian than you are. I tend to allow for people to do what they want with their money, hire and fire as they see fit as private organizations. So, I mean, that's just it. I mean, I think it was unethical. I think it was wrong. I think it was immoral. I think that you could, I, I think that you could, 
you know, as pro-lifers, as Christians, oppose Southwest Airlines. I, I think, I think she has, she's has a contract but, with uh, the airlines, Kevin. She yeah. has a contract with the airlines, yeah. and that's where the union supports her contract. They violated her contract. If if the contract, contract read law. if the contract read that the employer could not fire her on the basis of what the employee did on the weekends, or on her own time with social media or political campaigns, then of course the employer would have no right to fire the person. Or if the contract said, if you come work for us, that you cannot post on social media, you cannot you cannot right. sure. get involved in this, sure. and the person signed on to it. Then yes, then the it's company, a matter of contract law. Sure. Contract sure. law, exactly. Yep, I'm with you there. Um, now, if if a plumber uh, was hiring somebody, happened to have a pro union, pro communist view, and was pushing uh, union principles, communist principles on weekends, um, I think the plumber has a right not to hire him or to fire him if he would will to do yeah. so. Um, and again, it's a to me, it's it's you know, it's a matter of what. People your, do in terms of their opinions. Yeah. People have a right. The The owner of the company has a right to have his opinion. The The employee has a right to have his opinion. Um, Matthew a, 20 and verse 15 yeah. says, uh, the landowner of the vineyard, Jesus says, it's not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own. Is thine eye evil because I am good? This brings out a quote from Thomas Jefferson that I really like. To compel a man to furnish funds for the propagation of ideas he disbelieves and abhors is sinful and tyrannical. And this is one reason why I think it's uh, it's tyrannical for for me to have to pay taxes. I agree. Because they go to organizations support. that so that's obviously what she was concerned about was her funds are going to support things that she exactly. found to be tyrannical. Um, but there is some freedom not to be a part of that particular. If, uh, it may be a union. closed shop. Could it be, be a closed, closed shop. shop. Yeah, which make it when more I taught difficult. when I taught you had if you joined the the local uh, organization for the NEA the, the mm-hmm. local you had to join the state and you had to join the national. Yeah, there were teachers who said, "I will join the local, I will join the state, but I will not give money to the National Education Association," and so there was no choice for them except to not be part of the union. And this is where, of course, the state steps in and says, well, you absolutely will pay taxes. You're forced to pay taxes. That's you know, coercion. As long as you are a citizen of this country, you are forced to pay taxes for schools that teach evolution, atheism, homosexual ideologies in the public schools. And I find those ideas abhorrent. Yep. And to force me to furnish funds for public schools that teach this kind of stuff, I think I just find this sinful and tyrannical. This is what Thomas Jefferson would say. And I don't think I should have to furnish my money to hire a pro-abortion person to work in my pro-life hospital. Correct. Uh, If I don't want to hire the guy for any reason, I shouldn't have to be forced to hire him. Now, this fascist approach uh, to private property basically says, excuse me, let me use your capital the way I see fit. You can pretend to own the property, but you're really my steward, and this is my capital. You know, and you can hire the people I want you to hire, and you can fire the people I want you to fire. And ultimately, I think this is. I'm trying to dig down into this, Bill. I think this is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Yeah. You know what is this? Yeah. This is the violation of "You shall not steal." You have no right to take my money and appropriate it the way you see fit. If you start doing that with my capital. You know, forcing me to hire somebody I don't want to hire. 
forcing me to not to fire somebody I want to fire, you know, somebody who's dressing up like a woman at my Christian funeral service operation. And this is the Bostock right. agreement, right? right. Uh, so this guy wants to dress up like a woman. He's a guy. He dresses up like a woman. He's a receptionist for my ministry or my business that has a Christian flavor to it. I want it to have a Christian flavor to it. And and the Supreme Court of the United States, I'm talking about Justice Gorsuch and Justice Roberts, are forcing me to hire a transvestite for my ministry right. or for yeah. my business. It's egregious. This this to me is a violation of the Eighth Commandment. And this is my money. This is yeah. my capital. That's exactly. And what's I'm at forced the heart. to hire this guy. That's what's at the heart of the Lori Smith case and the Jack Phillips and the Jack case. Phillips case. And that right. is that mm-hmm. that I should not be forced to participate in an event that is a violation of my conscience. I shouldn't be forced to hire people who have a lifestyle that is a violation of my ethics and my conscience because they represent my business because they are the face of the business mm-hmm. that I have worked to build. On biblical principles. Now, let's get back to public and private universities. Now, there's another case in Idaho in which uh, we've got some free speech case, uh, a free speech case one at the University of Idaho, which is a public university. Yep. And I say, great. I do too. I say, praise God, the Christians are winning something at the University of Idaho. But I, I still want to get, I still want to get back to this Thomas Jefferson quote to compel a man to furnish funds for the University of Idaho. For the propagation of ideas, I just believe in abhor is sinful and tyrannical. And now, what about a private university that disallows teaching on evolution or disallows teaching on Buddhism or Islam? Do I have a right to not allow a Buddhist club to organize on my Christian college campus? Yes, you do. I absolutely do. Why? Because it's private. Because it's private. Now, public, but, public, they cannot, they cannot suppress free speech yeah okay yeah. so that's a government school exactly but but what about, what about public universities i mean my position is governments need to get out of the business of funding colleges exactly and, universities. and here's the problem the problem is education is always ideological and biased towards a particular worldview now the u.s supreme court has ruled that our governments must advocate a secular humanist religion that that was the case in 1987 this was edwards aguillard uh where the supreme court uh, argued the, the against teachers who wanted to present creationism in the classroom. The reasoning was that only a secular religion, and that that's what term they use is secularism. Yeah, only secularism. They use the word secularism. Only secularism or a secular religion or worldview would be allowed henceforth in government schools. And any indication that quote a supernatural being created mankind was disallowed by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1987. At which point, every Christian family should have pulled children out of there every state school. There you go, yep. But because we are so secularized in our thinking, they didn't do that. And because the church has not taught about the enemy of secularism to its people and has not taught jurisdiction, mm-hmm. the church mm-hmm. failed, mm-hmm. the family's being destroyed, education has been been captivated by secular thought, and we are now in this mess. Now, now here's the question that I think comes to everybody's mind. Should the public university that's funded by public monies teach all worldviews, or should they restrict to one worldview? Should the university maintain a openly polytheistic worldview, which means that they're allowing for all worldviews to be discussed 
on the campus. Now, here, here here's the conundrum on this one. I want you to listen to this. You can be a you can't be a monotheist, a polytheist, and an atheist at the same time. It's just impossible. Yes, yes if you, you teach, yes, you can. I'm schizophrenic, and so am I. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you teach that all worldviews are created equal, you'll offend the monotheists. If you allow all the gods into the pantheon, except for the god who says, "You shall have no other gods before me," then you've disallowed a monotheist perspective by your polytheism. You see that there's yeah. a contra, there's an mm-hmm. internal contradiction. So if you say, "I just want to be all things to all people," I want to create a, an equality. And of course, that's what's what they're trying to present today is that there's a tolerance and equality for all worldviews, except, except for the worldview that states there shall be no other worldviews before right. me, you know, except for that. Now, we so that's teach, why Christians, yeah. of course, are targeted. not received they're targeted. in the universities today and are probably more persecuted than anybody else. Yeah, you, you can teach objectively. Here are the tenets of these various religions. Here are the tenets of these various worldviews. And then you, but, the student, choose, or, you know, but when it comes to the values of the university, they're going to camp out on one. They are. Inevitably, it's just like law. Inevitably, you're going to wind up, up on a yeah, worldview. Inevitably, you're going to wind up on a particular worldview that undergirds your science, your literature, your history, and every other subject that you teach in the university. Right. Which means what? Which, which means, means the get the government, government out, out of, of that the business. public schools and out of the out of the universities and return them to the jurisdiction of the parents and, and, the, and church the church or private industry or whatever it is. Get government out of the funding business for education, my friends. Fick was wrong. Rousseau was wrong. Horace Mann was wrong. The guys who captured control of education put it under the state in the eighteen hundreds up into the. 1900s, and then, of course, all the public universities, and then the control of almost every private university by way of the Pell Grant system, by way of government funding, by way of the strengthening of the Department of Education of the United States government. Uh, my friends, that was the means by which a particular worldview has been foisted upon the entire country. Uh, I don't think there's any two ways about it, Bill, at this point. The only way in which we are going to give a bit of breathing room to freedom is to get government out of the education business. Right. It, we've we've got to we've got to cut those those ties because they have exceeded their jurisdiction. They have usurped the authority of parents, and they have neutralized the church in the in the area of education. And if you want to follow the history of what happened, and I've got a great deal on Yohan Ficht, I've got a great deal on John Jacques Rousseau and Horseman and John Dewey. I've got the whole story. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. The whole story is available in Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West, The Rise and Fall of Education in the West. That's the chapter you want to look at because, as I see it, that is the catalyst for the destruction of a civilization, the rise of tyranny. And the destruction of the Christian influence in our civilization and a breakdown of the civilization itself came about by education. Education was the catalyst to bring about the destruction of Western civilization. And the story is told in Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. Get a copy right now at Generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson and Bill Jack inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.